The uh, the food we're talking about today is very close to my heart um, because I, I had the privilege of being a, a breakfaster on 3RRRFM 102.7 from the end of 2009 to the end of 2012. And part of my job was sourcing and reading the news every morning um, between six and nine. So sometime in 2010, I found three or four stories about bees, which I found kind of amusing and I read them in a slightly mocking tone. I can't remember what the stories were, but I, I was informed by a listener via email that bees were serious news and I shouldn't be taking the piss. So, you know, if you look back to 2010, colony collapse disorder was in full swing with billions of bees disappearing without warning, which might not seem like a big deal. But as I did more digging, I realized that one in three mouthfuls of food that we eat are pollinated by bees. Without them, we'd have to survive on corn, wheat, and rice. There were threats like varroa mite, which is a microscopic mite that was killing bees, the Asian honeybee incursion to our north, and bad news around every bee corner. Um, so what it kind of worked out as uh, were that bees were the canary in the coal mine of anthropomorphic planetary destruction, and I was kind of making fun of them. So for the next two years, I read a news story about bees pretty much every day. I called it, quite imaginatively, bee news, uh, and it kind of became like my mission in life. So I learned a lot about bees and consequently about the ingredient that we're talking about today, their delicious byproduct, honey. So I was looking on um, Trove, the National Library of Australia archive, for a cool honey story earlier this week, um, one that you didn't know already. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I found an article that I thought was pretty interesting from 1933 from the Examiner newspaper in Tasmania, in Launceston. Um, the article's really short. I'll just read it out. And just for context, it's in a section of the paper called Woman's World, amongst articles on how to get wavy hair and an ad for full-fashioned hosiery. Okay, well, I'll be getting that uh, from you a little bit later, but thank you. Um, so the title's Honey, and it says, Honey is a fuel food which requires no digestion, said the health officer for the City of Melbourne, Dr. Dale, in an address last week. I advocate the use of honey because it adds a delightful variety to the diet, he continued. We Anglo-Saxons are a race of sad feeders. A sort of puritanism has made us rather overlook the pleasures of the table. And I do think that we should eat more honey because it is such a delightful sweet meat. Doctors would like to see a decrease in the consumption by children of lollies, sugar and sweet cakes, but they would make an, ex an exception in favour of honey. Honey, he added, was the one natural sugar food. It was of high energy value and was very easily digested. He would like to see less sugar in the diet and honey included regularly. So I like the sound. I like the cut <laughs> of his jib. Yeah. So the doctor here is recommending you eat honey regularly. So that's 1933 health advice. Mm -hmm. And I've heard a lot about the traffic light system for food. So I worked out how you work that out and... Um, honey is in the red traffic light zone for sugar, according to the Cancer Council Victoria's traffic light food tracker app. Uh -huh. And then I looked up the official Australian dietary guidelines and they say most Australians need to eat less, list heaps of food, in, like meat pies, blah, 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 blah. And then um, third from the bottom is jam and honey. Less jam and honey. Yeah. And they also say keep to a minimum the amount of sugars, honey, sweetened sauces or syrups added to food and made at home or avoid adding sugars at all. So I think um, 83 years later, 
obviously the health advice has changed, as it has for many things. But um, smoking yeah, is that one okay? Of them, um, I think that's cocaine doing, and soft drinks. We're still doing that, right? <laughs> yeah, you can still buy heroin from the chemist. Oh, great! <laughs> but the thing, um, the main thing I'll take from this article is the word sweet meat. I mm, really like. It's that. a good. Uh, yeah, it's I'll a good word. Incorporate that. So we know that honey takes on the properties of the surrounding environment. Yeah. So if there's lots of orange trees around, you get orange blossom honey. If there's lots of yellow box eucalyptus, you get yellow box honey. So that's kind of pretty easy to grasp. Yeah. What wasn't simple to grasp for a bunch of French apiarists in a town called Ribeauville in 2010 was why their bees were making blue and green honey. Um, and not subtle hues either, like the sludgy, bright green and and blue honey, like not a natural colour at all. Um, it also kind of tasted sickly. It was sweeter than usual and it was just sort of a bit weird. So they did a bit of research and after some, some digging and actually some... I think some literal digging, they found that their bees were gorging themselves on discarded M&M shells from a biogas plant, which worries me as to why there was discarded M&M shells at a biogas plant, <laughs> um, two and a half kilometers away. So apparently the excess shells were being stored in open containers and bees were getting in there and, and, and sucking all the sugar out of the, out of the shells and taking it back to the hive and making weird honey the color of the shells. Um, a similar problem faced Brooklyn beekeepers at about the same time. So these are stories that I kind of got while I was right in the swing of doing bee news. Um, so their bees were making sickly dark red honey and they traced the problem back to a maraschino cherry factory in, in Red Hook in Brooklyn uh, where some excess syrup was being stored in open containers. And again, the bees were gorging themselves on the syrup and making this weird red honey this time. So um, as I said, these stories came up in 2010, but there's a bit of a prologue to the Red Hook cherry honey story. Um, it turns out that the honey turned quite a bit of attention onto that cherry factory from government agencies. Um, and one of them was the drug enforcement agency who did some digging around. Um, and with all that added snooping that the bees brought, they uncovered a marijuana lab laboratory wow. under the cherry factory. So the lesson from this <laughs> is if you're going to grow a whole bunch of weed, make sure you don't get found out by tiny bee detectives. I, I think that's a lesson for all of us. So I'm not totally up to date with kids, book and TV characters. And Ben, you're a dad. So all I know is that owls and pigs are kind of particularly popular at the moment. But uh, uh -huh, yep. <laughs> are there any bears that are kind of popular? Bears. Uh, Winnie the P yeah. Pooh? He's still around. Well, yeah. When, yeah, when I was a kid, it was all about um, the non-mute pantless bear, Winnie the Pooh, but also the mute pantless bear, Humphrey. Mm -hmm. um, and both of these bears had songs about them liking honey. Yeah. But then as an adult, all I seem to see in nature documentaries is bears eating fish straight from the stream. <laughs> yes. So I wanted to find out if bears actually eat honey or if it's just a lovely childhood lie. So I did a bit of research. And apparently grizzly bears and black bears eat mostly insects, vegetation, berries and meat, mm -hmm. especially salmon, young moose and deer. Yeah, young so, moose, yeah, yeah not, not the, <laughs> not not the old moose. stuff. Ooh. <laughs> and they also like to eat honey. Um, but they're not as picky as Winnie the Pooh. They also eat the bees and the larvae inside the beehive. In fact, um, bears love honey so much that they'll actually gnaw through trees if they can't reach the hives with their paws, like actually chew through the wood. So... Um, once they breach a beehive, be black bears actually scrape the honeycombs together with their paws and eat them. And even if the bear stings them, that doesn't stop them. 
because the only um, place that the bees can sting are their face and ears because of the fur on the rest of their body. And um, after they eat the honey or whatever they want in the hive, the the, um, bees get shaken out of their fur like... Um, kind of like a bear would shake out water, mm. which is pretty cute. <laughs> um, and in some places in America, um, bears are such a problem to people with beehives that they actually install electric fences. I've read a lot of um, literature about how to keep bees out of your beehive. And yeah, electric fences seem to be kind of like the last resort for people who are sick of bears breaking into their hives. Yeah. So I guess, um, yeah, Winnie the Pooh and Humphrey weren't lying. Bears do eat honey. But I guess they weren't telling the whole truth. Um, they like heaps of other food more. Mm. But I guess, um, yeah, seeing insects flying out of Winnie the Pooh's mouth isn't as cute as seeing him reach into a jar of honey with his paws. So Yeah, and I- let's not get into the whole young moose thing. That would just be traumatic. <laughs> True. Um, well, it wouldn't be Ingridopedia without me bringing up an arcane military fact. Oh, great. And uh, today will be no exception. But I won't be talking about the American Civil War, you'll be happy to know. Uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure I could have dug something up. Um, no, I will be directing my attention to Britain during World War II. Uh, it was a time of austerity and rationing. Uh, there was the blitz going on. There was bombs being dropped. Uh, there was naval blockades. Um, so there was rationing of food and of supplies. And one of the foods under the tightest rationing was sugar. It was all imported from the Caribbean, pretty much. Um, so what's a sugar substitute when sugar is rare? Well, this is the honey episode, so obviously honey. Um, so uh, beekeeping actually had its golden age during World War II in England. Beehive- beehives were installed on roofs of schools, in churchyards, anywhere they could fit to keep people's tea sweet uh, wow. during the Blitz. Uh, it also had medicinal pur- purposes, which is handy during a war. Uh, so they would use honey to dress wounds due to its antiseptic properties. Uh, and it was said to speed up the healing process. Um, you know, there's uh, some... Uh, um, disagreement about whether that actually works but that's how they use it during world war ii particularly um it was used until penicillin became available uh and it was also believed to um reduce scars uh which is also handy during a war um and it, it is still used today uh in in burn treatments and um medications for ulcers but back to 1943 the ministry of food in the uk announced that beekeepers qualified for supplies of sugar not exceeding 10 pounds per colony to keep their beehives going through the, the winter. So th- this is in um, the harsh winter months when pollen and nectar isn't freely available. They, they had to sort of top it up with sugar. And so beekeepers were the only people who got this kind of free government sugar. Um, but then after there was a, a small crop of honey that winter, or after that winter, the authorities became suspicious and assumed that the beekeepers were eating or selling the sugar on, on, on the black market. So the geniuses they were, they coloured the free government sugar green. So it would be easy to trace if people were trying to on-sell it. Um, and we pretty much know from the last segment what was going to happen there. The bees made green honey. The beekeepers were exonerated. Beekeepers are an honest lot. Um... Uh, and they made it through the war. Um, the demand for honey dropped when sugar came off the ration list in the 1950s. But I, I spoke to a guy um, who learned his beekeeping during uh, at, at school during World War Two, and he, he's still a beekeeper today in his 90s. So it's not just hipsters. Sometimes it's people that that uh, learned it during World War Two as well. So Ben, we've talked about honey as food, but we haven't covered honey as a cosmetic product yet. Um, no, no, we haven't. Um, I have a feeling we are going to right now, though. Um, yeah, so I've read a few articles that said honey, uh, using honey as a face wash can be good for your skin. 
Um, I should say that I never really washed my face. <laughs> so this was novel in many ways for me. Okay. Um, and the few times I have washed it with an actual face wash, I've ended up with worse skin. So this was like a really interesting trial. Okay. So to make the honey face wash, most sites recommend you use raw honey, specifically Manuka honey, because apparently it has the most antibacterial properties. Yep. Um, and apparently it removes the dirt without um, kind of stripping away the natural oils of your skin. Apparently it prevents acne and works on all skin types. And the other selling point is that it's supposedly cheaper than a face wash, even though the little tub of Manuka honey I got cost almost $10, which is <laughs> yeah. probably similar or slightly more expensive than the face washes I would buy. Yeah. Um, anyway, all you do is put water on your face and then put a thin layer of honey on. And um, I thought this part would be hard to do because honey's kind of like thick and sticky, but it's actually really easy because the water makes it kind of softer. Mm. And then you just wash it off. But um, I waited a few more minutes before washing it off because I wanted maximum honey effects. I wanted like the accelerated program. <laughs> um, so the results were it tasted really good. Yeah. And um, I don't know, maybe it did make my skin a bit softer. My boyfriend, Pat, said it kind of felt softer but he also said it smells kind of sickly kind of like when you're a kid and you spill juice on your clothes (laughs) so that's nice Uh um so in conclusion overall i'd rather wash my face with honey Mm. than something with chemicals in it but i would also rather eat honey than put it on my face yeah so the honey jar is moving from the bathroom cabinet to the kitchen cupboard after this experiment that sounds like the right place for it to be yeah um okay well we know that honey is value valuable you you just spent ten dollars on some yep. manuka honey um honey's so valuable that there are honey crime rings um for instance did you know that you can buy counterfeit honey no um, I've, I've probably been buying it all along you, might, well, you <laughs> might have or a lot of us might have um how it works is that honey is cut with sugar syrup or like high fructose corn syrup and then passed off as pure honey and and not labeled thus and this isn't just all you know other parts of the world um according to tastehoney.com uh which is actually a really good website um <laughs> in the honey world uh in 2014 a honey brand called high honey just wow. It's a nice name. So that's why you like it. Um, in uh, being sold in the Ballarat area was found to be fake, and not even a local fake, despite the label featuring a large map of Australia and an adorable cartoon bee. Um, not only was it fake, it was 100% sugar syrup, and uh, it, it was made in Turkey. So the government sort of cracked down, and now all honey imported from Turkey is tested, and honey from other countries is spot tested for the presence of cane sugar and, and corn syrup. So. Um, uh, and I've got a quote here from our Minister for Agricultural, uh, Agriculture, Barnaby Joyce, who helpfully weighed in on the distinction between counterfeit honey and real honey. Honey comes from bees. <laughs> uh, he, he goes on to say more. <laughs> the definition is clear. If it's made from synthetic or other ingredients, it's not honey. Thank you, Barnaby. So, so it, it didn't list honey as an ingredient on the thing? or it, it No, did. it only listed honey as oh, an ingredient. Right. Uh, and it was basically there okay. was no honey in it. Um, so that's counterfeit honey, and that's yeah. something you've got to be careful of. But and stay with me here. There's also honey laundering, okay, which is more complicated. And I hope, I hope, I, I hope I explain this well. In the US, there's r- really high tariffs on honey from China, uh, and th- this is in order to protect the local beekeeping industry. So, what's alleged 
is that other countries buy honey from China. Uh, I think Thailand were named. Russia was another country that was named. They cut that honey with rice syrup, which is another kind of way of sweetening it, but taking down the honey content, which is taxed at a much lower rate, or even just claim to cut it with rice syrup, and then they on-sell it to the US, thus avoiding the high China tariffs and then the high tax on honey in general by saying, oh, no, it's 50% rice, um, rice syrup. So this is a matter of not cutting honey with sugar syrup, but claiming to. So it's kind of the opposite of counterfeit honey. The US Customs have uh, are onto this, and um, there's a place in Savannah, Georgia, where they test um, honey from overseas with a machine called a mass spectrometer, uh, which they use to t- test subtle chemical variations in honey, which are undetect- undetectable to the tongue or the naked eye, uh, that can give a strong indication of where the honey originated. Um, so what they're looking for are naturally occurring, occurring geographic traces. So the liquid's pumped into this mass spectrometer that's apparently, it looks like a, um, a photocopier. And inside, a nebulizer turns the sample into a fine mist over heated argon, a process that yields a distinct signature of these trace elements. So they take, um, take all of those elements and figure out, um, like, what country they come from. So... Um, what they're measuring is chromium, iron, copper uh, that might have been in the soil. Um, yeah. The elements uh, are then taken up by the flowering plants, foraged by the bees. And so they use these elements to ascertain whether it's, for example, from China uh, and is being laundered by other countries. Have I explained that well enough? Yeah, I think so. I think I get it. Okay. All right. So next time you're dripping some honey on your toast, you might be aiding and abetting an international crime ring. We have presented all of our facts over three rounds. Um, yep. So tonight uh, I talked about the colour of honey. I talked about a 1933 article in which doctors recommend kids eat more honey. Mm-hmm. Then I talked about World War Two. <laughs> yep. I found out if real-life pantless bears do eat honey. <laughs> uh, and I talked about international honey crime rings. And in round three I road-tested honey as a face wash. So they were the facts that we presented. You can vote for the fact that you, um, the facts that you found most compelling and interesting on our Instagram at Ingredipedia. Yeah, go, go, go to our website ingredipedia.com.au to find out more. We'll be back next week to talk about another ingredient. Yeah, and you can suggest ingredients for us to talk about um, by yeah emailing us or filling in the little form we have on our website. So, yeah, yeah, if you want to know. About any ingredient in particular, let us know. This has been Ingredipedia. Thanks for having us.